We've got some new, a uh, couple new faces up here this morning, and uh, would y'all help me give thanks to the band? I, I, where are they go? They, they disappeared. It was kind of strange. <laughs> I guess they're out in the hallway, but when they, when they come back in, Abby and uh, Abby singing here, and then Brooks back on guitar. Uh, would y'all just join me in, in uh, giving them thanks for uh, music that they... Uh, You may notice that my uh, compadre isn't up here, uh, my wingman. Uh, He's been away this week, and uh, I was tempted. You know, he's a big Tar Heels fan, unfortunately. It's one of his many flaws. But but, uh, I was really tempted, especially since it was April Fool's Day, to text him right at that critical moment where the two teams were tied and... uh, just to say, I really, I need you to call me right now. <laughs> Something urgent, pressing. Uh, I decided, leave him alone, poor guy. <laughs> Doesn't get away from this place very much. So I decided to let him alone. You know, we're, uh, we're starting a new series leading up to, uh, to Easter, as I mentioned. And we're looking at the way that Jesus, prophet, priest, and king is fulfilled. That the Old Testament role of prophet, the Old Testament role of priest, and the Old Testament role of king is fulfilled in Jesus. And so this song that we just sang is not just that that Jesus is, is, is our brand, that in fact Jesus is what God says about himself to the world. And so, uh, and so what we're looking at is we're looking at how Jesus fulfills all of God's promises, that he's a promise maker. And he's a promise keeper. Let's pray together. Father, how we thank you that even when we are faithless, indeed, you're faithful. And we thank you, Lord, that what you began, the good work that you began in us, you will, you are faithful to complete it in us, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. A little boy came down for breakfast, and his mother said, where's your homework? And he said, well, it's it's still in my pencil. (laughs) I love that little story, because it reminds me of my own household, you know, I mean, not, not anybody here present, but just over the... Over the, the years, the funniest family stories are quirky things, little mistakes, like the fish that we tried to replace after it died and they noticed. Or, or the, 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 all the, the dog stories. Everybody has some kind of a dog story, right? Or, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking now looking back that, um, that if you had invested in a suture company when we had triplets, you would have made a good investment, all right? All of the stitches, all the stitches that we've had, the hundreds of stitches. Let's play a game. Who am I? When I was seven years old, my family was forced out of their home on a legal technicality, and I had to work to support them when I was seven years old. At age nine, my mother died. At 22, I lost my job as a store clerk. I wanted to go to law school, but my education wasn't good enough. At 23, I went into debt 
to become a partner in a small store. At 26, my business partner died, leaving me a huge debt that took years to repay. At 28, after courting a girl for four years, I asked her to marry me. She said no. At 37, this is terrible, isn't it? (laughs) What a failure. At 37, on my third try, I was elected to the U.S. Congress, but two years later, I failed to be reelected. At 41, my four-year-old son died. At 45, I ran for Senate and lost. At 47, I failed as the vice presidential candidate. At 51, I was elected president of the United States. Who am I? Abe Lincoln. Sometimes life just feels like you're failing forward, doesn't it? I hope you're failing forward and recognize that that's often the way life is. We, we have uh, a new day in which to make new mistakes. And it begs the question, if we're still making mistakes, is God still making progress in us? If I'm still making mistakes, is God still making progress with his work in me? And the answer is yes, because he's faithful to his promises, and his promise through the prophets is to make the law, the word, come alive in you and in me. How does he do that? Well, he does that through one word. Well, the word is Jesus, but the word that we're going to be looking at today is influence. Influence. From the word of God... Matthew 5, starting with verse 17. Do not think I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so or to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come, offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you'll never get out until you've paid the last penny. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. 
For it's better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body, that it should be thrown into, into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better for you to lose one of your members than for the whole body to go to hell. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, even if it is hard to hear it. And so this morning, we're looking at the ways that God influences us. And the question we're asking is, if I'm still making mistakes, how do I know that he's still making progress? And the answer is influence. Influence. The first sign, the first sign that you're being influenced right, the first sign that you're being influenced is that you're not just following a law, you're following a person. You're following a person. You're not just following the rules. You're not just a rule follower, but you're following a person that's personalized for you. I used to be a rule follower. I remember just sort of being a rule follower and, 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 and liking the rules and feeling secure about the rules. And as long as I knew what the rules were, then, then I, w- I would be fine. And then realizing that, that, that in, in, a, in a, a season of life where there was a real revolution in my heart, I began not just to follow the rules, but to follow a person. Well, what is that like then? What is it like to have the kind of internal influence where you're following a person and not just following the rules? Well, it's a little like this. When I was doing youth ministry in Texas many moons ago, uh, we, we had a a group called YouthNet. We had 12 different churches, and we'd do retreats together. And one of the things that we would say at the beginning of the retreat to all these students, we'd usually, you know, you'd have hundreds of students together with all these churches. And we would say, all right, this weekend, there are, we have absolutely no rules. We'd say that to a bunch of teenagers. That's right. I think this probably originated with Young Life. All my best uh, youth ministry lines come from Young Life. Anyway, so, so the, the crowd would roar, like, yeah, no rules this weekend. That's great. And then we'd say, but we do have a few strong suggestions. <laughs> now, what did that do? Why did we say that that way? See, what, that, what happens there is it's kind of like we, we don't want to get up here and just list all these things. And I've seen the opposite where you take a bunch of kids to on a retreat and you say, first of all, there's going to be none of this and know that and make sure you don't do this and all this finger wagging, right? And what happens is there's an incredible distance that, that's created between the people who are leading the retreat and the people that are participating in the retreat. But when you get up there and you say, no rules, oh, yeah, we understand we're making a connection, a relationship connection. And then we're saying, we're all in this together. And so don't think of it as following the rules. Think of it as being on the same team. That what we're about here is keeping everybody safe, making sure everybody's safe, making sure that everybody is respected, and making sure that we're going the same direction together so we don't get tangled up with each other. It's really inviting somebody in, into uh, a, an environment that's good for everyone. And see, that's, that's really what Jesus is doing. That's what God is doing with the law. He's, 
He's, he's stepping in. Instead of creating this great distance between himself and the people listening, Jesus is stepping in. He's literally, Philippians 2, putting on flesh, right? God in human flesh taking a huge step towards us to connect with us, right? We have no rules, but there are a few strong suggestions. You say, well, isn't that the opposite of what, what he says in there? He says, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law to fulfill, fulfill it. That's right. And so what's happening when we say a few strong suggestions is we're trying to give ownership to the people in the crowd. So it's not just the people leading the retreat that own the rules. It's everyone in this together. See, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, he's saying look, the, the Old Testament law was very concrete, very concrete. It said, it, it said, don't do this and don't do that. Here's where the line is, right? Don't cross it. But what Jesus is saying is, I want you to internalize that. I want you to own it. I want you to walk around with it. I want, I want it to be, as Jeremiah says and, and really, really predicts, it's going to be on the tablet of your heart. You see, Jesus is fulfilling that Old Testament prophecy. Now, that's not a prediction. You see, in the Old, in the Old Testament, a lot of times we think, we think of the prophets as great predictors, right? That's, that's the way we, we think of it. They're making predictions that come true eventually. And a lot of times we think they're predictions that are ahead of us. Mostly, the things that they predicted had to do with God's blessing or curse if they depart from the law. You see, we, we all have, have you know, if, if you're a parent, you've been this parent, right? And, and if you've, you've seen parents and, and you, you say, I pity that parent right now, you, you've seen this and you've done it if you are a parent or you've seen this where they say, they're saying, well, look, Look, if you do that, I'm serious this time, right? <laughs> I'm really, really, really serious. Then there are going to be some consequences, young man or young lady, right? And you're sitting there going, oh, gosh, they're not taking me seriously. And whenever I've heard myself say that and I've lost respect for myself as a parent, you never see somebody else as a parent doing that, you lose respect for them. Well, that's not the kind of parent God is. He's a promise maker. He's a promise keeper. And he promises, he says, look... I put some things into my law because the law is good. The law helps you relate to me. And if you do cross the line, there, there are consequences built in. And that's what the prophets are saying, that there are blessings when you follow the, the law and there are curses when you don't. And what Jesus is saying is, it's impossible to fulfill this. I didn't come to abolish the law. The grace isn't, grace isn't the freedom just to misbehave. Grace is the freedom to take internal ownership of the law, to internalize it. Because you're following a person, not just a, a set of rules. You're following, you're obeying God, not just his law. And that's, that's really what he's trying to accomplish throughout the whole Old Testament. The law and the prophets are there to hold us accountable to what helps us relate well to God. You see what I'm getting at here? We're not just called to obey a law. We're called to obey a person. And see, that's influential. You picture, you know, we don't have any rules. We just have strong suggestions. You, you think of the connection that's being made that weekend between kids and counselors. 
That's influence. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to have a relationship of influence with him so that you're not just walking around checking the box. So that's the first sign, that you know that God is making progress. You, you, you are following a person and not just rules. The second is this. You're influenced because the law is good for you, not just because it's good. You're influenced by the law or the rules, or you're influenced by, by what's right, in other words, not just because it's good and we're supposed to be good, right? Finger wagging. But because it's good for you. I love this old expression. We don't so much break the law as we do break ourselves on it. You see? Do you really break the law of gravity, right? <laughs> when you jump off that thing that's too high? No, you break your ankle, right? I mean, you, you don't break the law of gravity, any more than you break God's law. You see, God's law is, is the way that the universe is wired. It's the way you're designed. And so we, we recognize, and, and through the influence of the law, we come to see it not only as good, but we come to embrace it as good for us. And when that's happening, when you can sense that, that you're embracing something because it's good for you and not just good, then you're being influenced. Boundaries are good for us. Lines are good for us. They're not just there to, to kill a good time, right? Right? I mean, God is not just this cosmic killjoy looking down and saying, oh, look, they're having fun. I better squash them, all right? I mean, he's, he's recognizing that there are certain things that if we color outside these lines, we're going to get hurt or somebody else is going to get hurt. I'll tell you a little story about that, about how boundaries are good for us. A guy named uh, Wayne Scazzaro and his wife, Jerry, They've written a book on healthy spirituality. And they talk about how important it is to have boundaries. And, and of course, they, they're, they're involved in, in ministry, and, and, and they love to have people over to their homes. And they, they, they love it when people drop by, but, but they don't like it when people drop by and, and, and things are going on, and when they, they have trouble saying, hey, it's not a good time for us right now. I'm trying to say that in such a way that if you drop by our house, you'd feel welcome. But if we were able to say, if we were to say, "Hey, it's not a good time," you wouldn't have your feelings hurt. But they were having trouble. They were trying. They were they they were having trouble drawing those lines. And one time, someone dropped by, and and what Wayne needed to do was say, "Hey, look, it's it's not a good time. Could you come back in about an hour? Love to talk to you, but uh, it's not a good time right now." And he he was having trouble drawing lines. And Jerry, his wife, was getting really really irritated with him about this. He just didn't have good boundaries. And this was the trigger point for them. This was, this was the big event that, that changed their lives, that got their attention about how good boundaries are for us. 
they were talking to this guy, and he was really having a hard time, and they'd sat down with him, and, 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 and she was wondering, you know, all of a sudden she said, where's our daughter? Have you seen our daughter? And they looked upstairs, and they looked, uh, and they looked in all the closets, and they looked at and they looked outside, and then they realized the pool. And they ran outside, and she was on her tiptoes with her nose just above the surface of the water. And she had been standing there for about 20 minutes, just trying to breathe. And that got their attention. Boundaries are good for us. They're good for us. When Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, he's using hyperbole, right? He's using hyperbole. Of course he is. If your right eye causes you to sin. Because you still have a left eye that can see the same thing. He's saying, look, if there's something going on and, and it's causing you to sin, don't, don't think that just because everyone else around you doesn't realize what's going on, that there isn't damage being done. Don't think that just because the letter of the law, that you've stayed within the letter of the law, that the infection is not still getting in. It's, it's like a cut. You know, if you think about a cut and you realize, you know, there, there, there's, there are germs all around, and you, you you've, of course, are going to cover that up. You're not, you're going to rub dirt in it. Even if it's a little cut, you think, I'm, I'm not going to rub dirt in that. I'm going to try to let that thing heal up. You, you know how important it is for even a little cut to be protected, for you to put a little, you know, antibiotic cream on it, to, to wash it out and, and, and to take care of it. Because you understand the principle that, that this is infection and that if infection goes crazy, you, know, you, can, you can really be in a world of hurt. That's what Jesus is talking about. You've heard that it was said, but I say unto you. Don't think, he's not saying, don't think of this as a checklist. This isn't a checklist. This, this, this list of laws, the Ten Commandments, when, when, when he talks about the law, he's talking about the, the codex, the, the, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, right? He's talking about love God, love others. He's talking about thou shalt not. But he's saying, look, don't just think of it as a checklist of 10. Realize that, that there is, there's a principle at work regarding thou shalt not murder that has to do with integrity. Who are you really? If you've got something wrong with, with somebody or you think that someone has something against you, don't come in and pretend that, that God is going to be honored by your worship and, and, and that uh, you know, raising your hands and, and making a big stink and, and being a big, you know, you know, you know, having the loudest voice and all of that. When you have something unresolved in a relationship with a human being, maybe with somebody in this room or maybe somebody at work or maybe somebody in your household, God is not fooled, in other words. He's saying, look, what, what the law is about is about making you into a real and a whole person. And when we see the law as good for us and not just good, then we begin to feel the influence of it. Because we're not thinking in terms of, oh, I should do this or I shouldn't do that. We're actually thinking, what is good for me? And we begin to embrace it because it's good for us. So 
influence. Influence uh, because we're following a person. Influence because we know the law is good for us and not just good. Influence that we're under. So I want to ask you this morning, are you under the influence of the law? Well, that, that doesn't feel very warm and fuzzy, Tim. I mean, that, where, where, where are the warm and fuzzies when you're saying under the influence of the law? That doesn't feel very... But, but think about it. When you're following the law, you're following the person. When you're following the law, you're embracing the things that make you tick, Right? That make, you know, like, like they say, now you're really cooking with gas, right? I mean, it's like things are working when, when you're following the law, you're operating, you're lining up with the design of God. Are you under the law? Really under it. Let's tease that out for a minute. When I was, uh, when I was in, uh, what, what does it look like to be under the law and how important it is to be under the influence of what God's rule book is. When I was, when I was uh, just graduated from, from college, before I went to seminary, I, I did sort of a city year. I've told you about this a little bit, but I worked, part of, part of it was uh, I worked in the inner city with kids who were coming off the streets. Some of them were doing horrible things, horrible things, just to be able to make ends meet, just be able to have a meal. Some of them were coming out of awful backgrounds. And I remember this one kid had this tattoo, and he had this tattoo. It looked like, it looked like this skull just breaking out of his skin. And, and, and he, he was really saying something about himself. But one of the things that was required of each of these kids was they're supposed to be in this 12-step program. They're supposed to be separating themselves from uh, drug addiction and alcohol addiction and whatever addiction. And so they all had to have a higher power. Now, they didn't call it, didn't necessarily call it God. They wanted to, you know, respect where they were coming from, but they were charged with this category of God. They needed to name some kind of higher power. And this kid, I remember, his higher power was music. Well, that's kind of a dodge, you see. Music? I mean, they let him get away with this, the, uh, the folks who were running the program. They let him get away with this, but his higher power was music. Something created, right? Something that we create is his higher power. What's going on there? That, 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 that whole scene has never left me because, to me, it, it really is representative of the way that even when we're talking about God, even if we use the word Jesus, sometimes our conception of God is just what we want him to be instead of who he really is. I was talking with somebody uh, out of state. um, That's code for you don't know this person, and I'm not giving away anything about somebody personally. Um, I was talking with somebody out of state uh, over the weekend, and um, he said, he asked me the question, he said, what's, why Jesus? Why do we have to believe in Jesus? I mean, I believe in God in general, but why Jesus? And I said, well, Jesus is what God says about himself. Jesus is God's personal self-expression. This is what God is saying about himself. And so just as you and I like to tell people who we are, right? I mean, we don't like other people defining us, right? We want to 
reveal to them who we are, so does God reveal himself in Jesus. It's what God says about himself. And what is he saying with Jesus as a prophet? We're talking about the prophet, the priest, and the king. What, what he's saying is he's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. That what he fulfills and needs to fulfill in you is too big for you. It's too big for me. It goes way too deep. The requirement of the law is too heavy for us to lift. The requirement of the law goes too deep in us to reach. The requirement of the law, it requires too much clarity of what motivates us, right? You think about why you did that nice thing for that person, right? Right? I remember, um, I remember when I was just... Uh, uh, we just had triplets, and the, the kids were young, and, and Jameson was, uh, you know, coughing at night. He'd cough. He had sort of this, this uh, bronchial spasm or whatever, asthma. He had this asthma. And, and, and he'd cough in the middle of the night, and we'd hear it over the monitor, and I'd get up, and I'd say, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd say to myself, I remember passing the couch one time. I was going out to see if he was okay. And I thought, I should have gotten out of bed a little more abruptly, like, like made a little bit more of a noise, you know. I want to make sure that Beth knew that I got up. Right? Make sure that I get credit for this. This could be good for a round of golf, you know. I mean, got to make sure that I, I, here I'm going, to, I, here I'm going to, to, to help my son who needs me, who may, who may need a breathing treatment in order to survive. And what am I thinking? I'm thinking about what's in it for me. That's who we are. And that's how deep this goes. And that's why Jesus said, truly, you've heard that it was said, but I say unto you, it goes deep, 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 deep. And the only person that can totally fulfill what he wants to do in you is God himself. And that's what God says about himself. He's a promise maker. And he's a promise keeper as prophet, as priest, and as king. Are you under the influence of Jesus? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, how we thank you that you are equal to the need. The vision that you've cast for human life is perfection. And you've fulfilled it. And you've invited us to follow. You've compelled us that the law is good for us, and, and you've spoken into our lives in such a way that says, lay down your burden, place it under the authority of Jesus. Holy God, help us to yield. In Jesus' name, amen.